This is District Sentinel Radio. It's that newscast of record for the left. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash district sentinel. Five bucks a month. You get access to all our bonus content, plus your own haiku written for you, read on the air. We're going to read some poetry a little later on in the show. Sam, I think you had the uh, best metaphor when you walked in to the uh, newsroom today about the debate last night. That it was like watching your favorite soccer team grind out a 1-0 result, and it wasn't pretty to watch, but... Yeah, maybe even uh, went down a man late in the match (laughs) due to a bad call or something like that. Uh, The refs totally lost control of the game as Buttigieg uh, made illegal interventions time and time again. But in the end, Bernie got his three points. And I think he's still got the momentum heading to South Carolina where he could definitely win. But even if he doesn't win, he's still in prime position based on a lot of the polling we see coming out of California and Texas to perform very well in some very delegate rich states on Super Tuesday that could give him a massive lead and delegates coming out of it. Top of the league, we're having a laugh. <laughs> We're not talking quite Liverpool standards yet, but we're getting close to it. And definitely, I know there's been some conflicting reports here, but no doubt there were some people in that audience last night paid off by Michael Bloomberg. Yeah, there were. It was what? One thousand seven hundred fifty bucks to get in. Yeah. Yeah. But the the booze, to, I mean, the reactions to Bernie in this debate were different than every other debate we've had, where he generally has a lot of support in the crowd. Um, here, people are booing him when he's talking about Bloomberg's billionaire supporters. Who is going to boo Bernie? And, and it wasn't just a, like a casual boo. It was literally someone booing as though like their boo was their scream from getting stabbed or something like that. Boo! <laughs> like who, who is doing that? They're, who is uh, that passionate? Unless they're paid. Well, it, it certainly was reminiscent of 2016 when the uh, room was packed in a Republican debate with Jeb Bush supporters. Yeah. And they were all booing Trump. Yeah, that worked. Trump called them out on stage, too. Bernie said, was about to call him out, too. He knew something he was did up it when in he the was spin like, room. really? Yeah, he did in the spin room. But when people were booing him for talking about Cuba's education programs or acknowledging uh, that. And, you know, we're not even going to go as far as Bernie goes. <laughs> Castro whipped. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, people are booing. these like, really? Really? You're going to boo literacy programs and healthcare? They're going to boo Cuba's uh, lung cancer vaccine. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Means TV launched today. We have a project on Means TV that's premiering next Thursday that you can watch by subscribing to Means TV. But... You know, we shouldn't be the only reason you subscribe because there's a lot of really good stuff on the platform. Um, I've watched several movies on there. I watched the rap movie that you uh, you had highlighted on Twitter earlier today, Sam. Yeah, it was good. There's a lot of good movies on Means TV. And there's there's no mention of Buddha Judge in the no, in the rap movie. Zero mentions of Buddha Judge. No, I, I I think this predated Buddha Judge's rise as the king rat. 
there's some live shows. I know Left Trigger's on there where you got some uh, various people live streaming games. I've pitched Nick on doing an episode of Left Trigger where I'm landing a spaceship on the moon in the Kerbal Space Agency program. (laughs) (laughs) It'll be the most boring Left Trigger yet, but it'll be fulfilling for everyone involved. I just want to watch Chris from Eat the Rich play Red Dead Redemption. Someone is on there playing Red Dead uh, Redemption, but I don't think it was Chris. Ah. I think it was the uh, original Left Trigger hosts playing it. I've gotten into it. I've been playing a little bit of it lately. All right, let's do this. It's Wednesday, February 26th, 2020. Here's the news. The Trump administration's response to the coronavirus is being panned in Congress. On Tuesday, the White House asked Congress for $1.25 billion in additional funding to develop a vaccination and purchase protective equipment for healthcare workers. The administration would commit in total $2.5 billion to the effort, with half coming from new funding appropriated by Congress and half coming from money already appropriated for other uses. In this case, the administration proposes taking funding from Ebola prevention programs to combat the coronavirus. The meager funding request reflects the administration's efforts to downplay the potential pandemic. It's been reported Trump is concerned what effect the virus might have on his re-election efforts. You could read the subtext in his tweets today, spreading disinformation about the virus, quote, low rating fake news, MSDNC, Comcast, and CNN are doing everything possible to make the coronavirus spelled spelled wrong. Coronavirus. Coronavirus look as bad as possible, including panicking markets if possible. Likewise, their incompetent, do-nothing Democrat comrades are all talk, no action. USA in great shape. Well, a hearing before the House Appropriations Subcommittee today suggests we're actually not in great shape. For one, there's a major shortage in surgical masks that need to be worn by healthcare workers in the event of an outbreak. Here was Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar explaining that and admitting it could be difficult getting more masks as the disease disrupts global supply chains. We have more masks than the 30 million that I related yesterday. We, but we have a different mix of those masks than what we had been informed of. So we have 30 million surgical masks. Those would be the gauze type, tie behind the ear type uh-huh. masks meant to really protect people from the healthcare right. worker spreading. We have 12 million N95 NIOSH certified masks in the stockpile. And then we have about 5 million N95 masks that I believe may have expired. They're no longer NIOSH certified, uh-huh. so they wouldn't so be. So where do we get the rest? That and we then need? we would need, and so what we've talked about is approximately 300 million additional N95 masks right. from the emergency supplemental. We've already, from the reprogramming. But where will we get well, them? Well, so from the, from the reprogramming, we're going to initiate immediately procurement to do domestic manufacturing around N95 as quickly as we can scale it up. Um, It will be, I do want to caution, it will take time because China, as you rightly mentioned, China does does control a lot of the raw materials as well as manufacturing capacity. Thank you. Yikes. Yikes. Yikes indeed. Well, because of reasons like this, public health experts have asked for a response multiple times more expensive than what Trump put forward going as high as $15 billion needed to respond to the coronavirus. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer put forward an emergency funding bill requesting 
$8.5 billion to respond. Putting it in historical context, Trump's $2.5 billion response pales in comparison to the $6 billion appropriated to respond to the 2006 flu, the $7 billion for the swine flu in 2000, I believe that was nine, and more than $6 billion for the Ebola outbreak in 2014. More than 78,000 people have contracted the virus around the world. More than 2,700 of them have died. 53 Americans have also been diagnosed with coronavirus, most of them abroad. Brazil on Wednesday reported its first case, marking the first case of coronavirus in Latin America. The Supreme Court ruled that border control agents can shoot kids in Mexico and get away with it. Justices sided with Jesus Mesa Jr., a border patrol agent who shot and killed a Mexican 15-year-old boy, Sergio Hernandez. The killing happened in 2010. The Justice Department cleared Mesa and refused to extradite him to Mexico, so Hernandez's parents sued Mesa. The lawsuit was dismissed in U.S. courts every step of the way. Yesterday, the Supreme Court affirmed the dismissal in a 5-4 to four vote split among liberals and conservatives. Justice Alito wrote the majority opinion. He said the precedent allowing people to sue abusive cops doesn't apply. Lawsuits brought under the so-called Bivens standard are often dismissed anyway. In a concurring opinion, Clarence Thomas and Neil Gorsuch argued that the doctrine should be scrapped altogether. Alito's majority opinion, however, said that Bivens doesn't apply here. In a ruling with troubling implications with white nationalists in the White House, for one, the shooting took place across borders, making it an international incident, something that Congress and the president should deal with, not the courts, according to Alito. Secondly, border patrol falls under the national security doctrine, which is a judicial black hole for civil liberties. Reading now from Alito's opinion, quote, We have declined to extend Bevins where doing so would interfere with the system of military discipline, since regulating the conduct of agents at the border unquestionably has national security implications, the risk of undermining border security provides reason to hesitate before extending Bivens into this field, end of quote. In other words, we're going to need to pack the courts if we ever want to hold Stephen Miller to account. A new government accountability office report warned that the federal program created to assist minors living with black lung is at financial risk. The Black Lung Disability Trust Fund was recently hit with an extra $865 million in liabilities due to the bankruptcy of three coal companies that claim to be self-insured. GAO projects more bankruptcies on the horizon and also a resurgence of black lung cases. The fund was created in 1973 to provide cash assistance and medical care to minors who can't work anymore due to black lung and their dependents. Federal law requires mining companies to acquire insurance to cover future medical costs of their workers or to self-insure by putting up collateral to cover the costs of future medical claims. The problem occurs when companies don't purchase enough insurance or let their insurance lapse or don't put up enough collateral as self-insurance to cover all the costs associated with their sick minors. In those cases, the trust fund picks up the bill. And Wednesday's federal watchdog report found that these problems were systemic. Between 2014 and 2016, eight coal companies went bankrupt, six were self-insured, and half of them resulted in significant transfers of benefit responsibilities to the federal trust fund. 
For example, Alpha Natural Resources had $12 million up in collateral at the time it went under, yet it was on the hook for more than $494 million in black lung benefit claims. It was for more than 1,800 beneficiaries. Another one, James River Cole, had posted just $400,000, 400K, in collateral when it went bankrupt, leading to $141 million in black lung liabilities transferred to the trust fund. GAO reviewed the arrangements of 22 other companies that are supposedly self-insured under the Department of Labor guidelines, and they all showed potential imbalances similar to what happened with Alpha, should say Beta Natural Resources since it's fucking bankrupt, and James River Coal. With some companies, the department hadn't bothered to reauthorize their self-insurance since the 1980s. GAO described the problem, quote, Department of Labor's former process for determining collateral did not routinely consider potential future claims for which an operator could be responsible, end of quote. I mean, at what point is that incompetence or industry capture? A bit of both. GAO reported that the office charged with handling self-insurance reauthorizations had six employees in it, but due to attrition between 2009 and 2012 was reduced to just three employees. The department, according to GAO, was also too reluctant to use enforcement mechanisms at its disposal, like fines, placing liens on assets, and even revoking a company's ability to self-insure. Anyway, the problem is likely to get worse. The number of beneficiaries receiving black lung benefits has decreased since 1982, from 174,000 down to 25,700 due to both miners dying off and less miners just being employed. But GAO reports, quote, black lung beneficiaries could increase in the near term due to the rise in the occurrence of the disease in its most severe form, progressive massive fibrosis, particularly among Appalachian coal miners. The National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health found that one in five miners in that area are showing signs of black lung. That's the highest rate recorded in 25 years. The Institute believes the rise could be a result of increased exposure to silica. You don't hear this side of the story when the right talks about the need for bringing back coal jobs. Finally, more immigration news from the courts. Today, an appellate circuit ruled that the Trump administration can withhold money from cities that limit cooperation with ICE. The decision came from a three-judge panel on the Second Circuit in New York. As George W. Bush appointee Rena Raggi noted in her opinion, the Seventh Circuit had come to the opposite conclusion. Quote, While mindful of the respect owed to our sister circuits, we cannot agree. The inconsistency here means there's a circuit split, making it likely the Supreme Court will get involved, making it likely that Stephen Miller will get another win on immigration. Here's the good news on this case, though. The heart of the case is ultimately about money for cops. So-called BURN program, criminal justice assistance grants administered by the Justice Department. So basically what you have going on here is immigration cops getting feds, to withhold money from city cops. <laughs> Spider-Man v. Spider-Man on the court docket. That music means the newscast is over and the poetry portion of the show has begun. All new subscribers on Patreon get their own haiku. We're going to read some right now. This is for Kyle, 
Bernie ruined me and my restaurant that's serving donkey shit sandwich. Thank you, Kyle. This one is for Jesse. Unity at last. Sanders taps Bloomberg as the delegate to Mars. Thank you, Jesse. Congratulations, <laughs> we Mayor Mike. Make a uh, make Mayor Mike the secretary of testing uh, diseases of, of being a disease tester, <laughs> disease tester, medicine tester. <laughs> no, I think you're right the first time. <laughs> Let's see how quickly this disease spreads, Mike. Come shoot yourself with this. Next, this is for Gwendolyn. Paid two thousand bucks. To clap for Michael Bloomberg, my life is a void. Thank you, Gwendolyn. Finally, this is for Luke. 2020's worst character, Michael Bloomberg's paid comedian. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke. I've seen on Twitter several suggestions on who might be Bloomberg's paid comedian, ranging from Dan Nanan to Jamie Kilstein. <laughs> Honestly, either fit fit the bill completely. Probably both. Yeah. Uh, thanks to all the new subscribers on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash District Sentinel. If you recently subscribed, your haiku is coming up. We assure you. All right, before we go, let's tune in to the listener rant line. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sam. Hey, Sentinel gang. It's Slater. I don't really have time to talk about the fake barbershop uh scandal that Elizabeth Warren's team was embroiled in. I want to get straight into awful <laughs> pundit tournament updates. We are currently in the Elite Eight. That means there are only eight pundits remaining, and only one can be the 2020 champion. And those matches going on right now are Jonathan Shape versus Brett Stevens, wow. David Brooks versus Jennifer Rubin, mm. Tucker Carlson versus Joanne Reed, mm. and the defending champion Ben Shapiro versus Jake Tapper. I also want to give a special thanks to Richard Stock for adding some class and prestige to the awful pundit tournament introduction video. And I uh, just want to let the you know Sentinel subscribers uh, remind them to subscribe to the awful pundit tournament Patreon and receive their big Dave card. Thanks, and uh, have a great week, guys. Wow. A lot of uh, big names still left. I just, I just want to say, with Tucker Carlson going up against Joanne Reed, we have seen Joy Reed... Moved to bend the knee in the last week or so. Granted, she's done a lot of awful shit and said a lot of all. It's going to take a lot of knee bending to forgive her for a lot of the stuff, including stuff alleged to have been done by time-traveling hackers. But uh, I really hope that Tucker Carlson prevails here in that matchup. Yeah, that's that's a no-brainer. But the rest, I, the rest are pickums. I mean, they're straight-up pickums. I don't know who wins between Chait and Brett Stevens. Are you kidding me? That is a tough one. I do feel like that uh, Shapiro will beat Jake Tapper and that Shapiro is worse than Jake Tapper. Yeah. But part of me just wants to see Jake Tapper pull the underdog upset here. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. But Shapiro, the champ, hard to, hard to take down the champ. As they say, to be the man, you got to beat the man or the little tiny boy um and i don't know if jake tapper has what it takes thanks for the call slater rant line 202-684-6108 call it up we'll 
play your message on air. We are back tomorrow. We're here in DC, so you don't have to be.